0: Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is a psychiatrist. He works also as a school counselor, serving not just the people here in Japan, but also in other parts of the world. Dr. Koji Izuka, welcome to Upward Way.
1: Hi, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for allowing me to come and share my story. Yes,
0: it's really an awesome privilege for me to have you here as a guest. And by the way, to my listeners, um, Dr. Izuka was just um, in South Korea a few weeks ago, having gone to a Pathfinder, should I say, Jamboree?
1: (laughs) Not Jamboree. Jamboree is the Scouts. This one was the (laughs) Camporee. Yes, right. Yep.
0: Pathfinder camporee, So yes. you know, fresh all that experience, could you just share a little about what that experience was like before we get into your story?
1: Sure, sure. So yes, that's the uh, Northern Asian Division Pathfinder camporee. So it's uh, Korea, Japan, Taiwan, uh, and uh, Mongolia. So those were the main countries. We did have a group come from uh, Oregon, also from Oklahoma, and then uh, even from uh, UAE. Um, quite a few uh, diverse countries uh, showed up. Um, there was about maybe five thousand people total, so about a one tenth of the international Pathfinder campers. But still, it was a uh, we had a great time. It was really hot, but luckily we had air conditioned rooms air-conditioned cafeteria, and uh, water servers all over the campus. It was held at the Adventist uh, College, so we had a great time, yes. And a lot of the kids um, really uh, is excited about the international campery now, so they're really uh, talking about that. My son was uh, baptized at uh, the campery also, so that was a special day.
0: That's really wonderful. So not only was it an awesome, spiritually enriching experience for all, but you had the privilege of having your son being baptized. Just for the sake of information, was that at Samyuk University?
1: Yes, Samyuk. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but yes.
0: Yeah, well, (laughs) don't worry too much about the pronunciation. Well, (laughs) I'm happy to know that it was really a blessing you know, you wear quite a bit of hats, you know, so <laughs> you, <Yep. laughs> you, you are currently, you know, practicing as a psychiatrist. I know you work with clients in Guam. So I'm just going to give you an opportunity to talk a bit about, you know, your role in that capacity. And then after that, I'm going to piggyback to, what would I say, the start of your faith journey. So just a little okay. about your work there and then I'll piggyback sure. a bit to your past.
1: Yeah. So um, I graduated from Loma Linda um, back in 2010, I believe, and then finished my residency um, because I got my scholarships through the U.S. Air Force. Um, I need to pay back four years. So um, did that in Georgia for four years as active duty. I'm sorry, three years. And then I had one more year left, but I really wanted to come back to Japan so I extended my contract additional two years, so made it to six years total, and then moved to Japan, Yokota Air Base, Japan. Um, and then um, after the three years, I decided to go into the reserves. I kind of wanted to live in Japan for my kids, and they were speaking a lot of English, but not a lot of Japanese. So I kind of wanted to have them be raised in a bilingual uh location. So um, we, we wanted to stay in Japan. And then the COVID hit. So everyone was going to virtual appointments with uh with the medical appointments, especially psychiatry, because we usually don't touch the patients that often. So it was almost the perfect timing for me to start my business. So I uh, started my initial practice in Hawaii where I was I did my residency. So I do have my clinic there. Um, and then about half of the times, I work for the Guam SDA clinic. And that's also virtual appointments. And then I also got a job, part-time job, with um, the VA uh, compensation exams. So they're not my patients. I only see them once for their evaluation. And then they get compensated for their disability. So I do the mental health ones, also traumatic brain injury, um, and then uh, the high school, uh, junior high school that I used to attend, invited me. Hey, can you become our school counselor? Um, so I did that for, uh, or I'm currently doing it my fourth year or so for the junior high school at the Adams Junior High School, and then just this uh, February, uh, Marchish maybe. Um, I was also uh, asked, could you do the school counselor for the elementary school at uh, Yokohama uh, SDA Elementary School? So I've been doing the elementary school counseling every other week on a Monday. And then at nighttime, I go to the junior high school because they're dorms. Yeah, I get to talk to them at nighttime. So yeah, my Monday is my uh, school counselor job. And then the other days, yes, I do my... Yeah, psychiatry job.
0: You have said a lot. And later in the interview, when I talk about the idea of balancing things out, you know, I am I, sure you will shed some light as to how you are able to do all of that. But I'm going to have you go back to what I would consider a start as it relates to your yeah. faith journey. So where and when did it all begin?
1: Well, I would say maybe three generations ago. So I'm a third, maybe fourth generation. Pretty much all my ancestors I know was in the church. My mother was a student missionary to Japan from the States. So she came, I guess she initially wanted to go to Korea, but there wasn't an opening. So um, I came very close, becoming a half Korean. But uh, since she came to Japan, I ended up being half Japanese. Um, She was here, and then uh, she met my father, and they got married, and uh, yeah. So I was raised into the church, um, went through school, the Adventist school system for, I counted the years. It happens to be like 20 years, including medical school and undergrad. So yeah, I've been through the Adventist system for 20 years. I got baptized when I was in... um, a ninth grade after the week of prayer and yeah I was uh, really kind of figuring out when would be the best time I was kind of a shy kid so I it was a little shy kind of speaking out saying hey I want to get baptized so finally had the courage to say yes I would like to get baptized and uh so that was yes ninth grade and uh, been part of the church and uh yeah I've been really enjoying the uh, being part of it and uh, being raised in the community. Yes, it's it's been a blessing.
0: My next question is kind of twofold, or maybe let me make it onefold <laughs> first. So in terms of your upbringing, being um, biracial, did you spend most of your time in Japan or did you live outside of Japan while growing up?
1: Yes, so um, I was... Born in the States, but when I was three months, my parents moved back to Japan. And every summer, about a month, I was back in the States. So pretty much all my summers has been spent in the U.S. So yes, I was raised in Japan until I was 18 and then spend my undergrad, medical school residency in states. So right now it's about 50 50. And then I'm getting more time in Japan now. So that's going to shift more to more time in Japan. But it's been about 50 50.
0: All right. Here's where I throw the real <laughs> twofold question. So, what was that experience like? First, in terms of your overall upbringing, and then from yeah. the spiritual nurturing side. Because, you know, when people think about Japan and let us say Southern Asia, they don't think, you know, that Christianity is thriving. They think, it's just a society where it's either secular or maybe yeah. other religious um, groups. So, what was it like for you, you know, being biracial, growing up yes. in a country that is, yep. you know, minuscule words as it relates to Christianity?
1: Yes. Now, being raised in Japan back then, and I would say back then, like 30, 40 years ago, was not as easy as it was now because it was pretty much 99%. Um, Japanese. And I obviously would be standing out just by my looks, especially being around my mother who's blonde. So my mother was quite famous in the city. It's not a small city, but she was quite famous because she's pretty much was the only Caucasian around. Um, so I do stand out. And standing out in Japan is usually not a good thing. You kind of want to blend in that's kind of more how japan's society is that we kind of want to be a good team player so i wanted to be like a japanese <laughs> so i wanted to blend in as much and being a christian actually is a is another reason to stand out so saying that hey i'm a christian and people kind of giggle at you and then uh the word amen in Japan is amen, which is very similar to ramen, yeah, you get teased a lot by saying amen, so there, there's a, almost like embarrassment of being a Christian or being raised in a Christian home in Japan, so I would say that was, that was not as easy as I loved, loved, yeah, so yeah, that was pretty hard. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm also tempted to, you know, as you mentioned, Amen and Ramen, I'm almost (laughs) tempted to tease you a bit. But fun and games aside, um, so for your personal spiritual growth, you know, what was it that laid that foundation? I mean, yes, I know you'd have had your appearance, but how did you develop your own spiritual growth?
1: Yeah, I think for my personal spiritual growth, I think the largest growth actually came when I finally moved away from my comfort zone and that was moving to Georgia. I pretty much had my life laid out as planned until that point. Yeah, I was raised in an Adventist community, went to Walla Walla, which my mother went and my brother went, went to Loma Linda where my brother was already there. He said, hey, uh, Air Force might be a better idea. So, so he, he was a Navy. So I went in the Air Force and then, um, yeah, went to Hawaii, which I knew quite a few people. Um, and then moving to Georgia, that was my first Air Force assignment. That was like the maybe the part where, yes, I it got me out of my comfort zone. Um, but there we didn't have a, a small but very strong church. And first time going to a church that I knew no one, and I knew no one who knew no one. So we had no one in common. Um, but they still, yeah, accepted us. And we we were part of the church. I was able to be part of the adventure clubs for my kids, and then was standing for the school board, um, even became the school board chair at the last year. that was that was a very unique experience was able to go to different meetings for the conference the Pathfinder conference meetings and I was really able to feel like okay this is my home church Um, it was only three years but I still kind of feel like I'm a missionary from Georgia even being in Japan and I kind of told them then hey this is not a goodbye feel like I'm your missionary yeah, and that's kind of how we send goodbye to the church in Georgia. And I feel like I'm more of a missionary from that church, even though my home church, I'm at my home church where I was raised. Um, I feel more like that Georgia really raised me as a Christian. Yeah,
0: Quite yeah. interesting, as you say, even though this is home and you're at your home church, as you say, it's like <laughs> you are sent <laughs> as a missionary from that church because yeah. of that spiritual yeah. foundation. So yeah. you have served in the U.S. Air Force for six years. And I know you shared a bit about that experience, but yeah. um, what was it really like? Because, you know, when we think about U.S. Air Force, you know, we think about the bad guys and <laughs> you go into yeah. this country and you <laughs> rescue persons and so on, lots of action. But from your standpoint, what was it really like, truly?
1: Sure, sure. So when we imagine Air Force, um, I get a lot of the questions, so do you fly pl- on planes? Um, to be honest, I have not been on an Air Force plane for a single time. I haven't been even close to one. The only <laughs> time I've been close to one was during the air shows where everyone gets to get on it. So so I've never even even touched a plane. And that's kind of true with, I would say, maybe 90% of the guys who work on an Air Force base. Most of the guys are doing non-plane related stuff. Yes, there's the pilots, which is like maybe less than 1% of the entire Air Force guys. And there's the air crew who gets on the plane. And, and then there's the mechanics. But otherwise, it's pretty much Everyone else, like, okay, we're, we're the medical team, so we're from the med-, med group, so we pretty much do what we do outside. Yeah, pretty much we help the soldiers or the airmen, what we call in the Air Force, and the family, the dependents, and even some uh, retirees who's living around. And then the other guys, yeah, they work for the cafeteria or they fix the airstrips, um, they make the roads. They manage the housing. So it's not that (laughs) military-ish. Yeah, so it's like just living in another city, but many people are wearing uniforms. Yeah, and I really enjoyed spending my time in the Air Force uh, for the professionalism. They really teach you to be professional and one of their core values is um, integrity first, which applies to any Christian or service before self. So that's another one where, yeah, it definitely is uh, something we could apply in any person's life. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the time in the Air Force. I'm still a reservist, so I go back every summer, about four weeks, and I do some a time. Usually the summer is a good time because... What we call the PCS season—that's the time permanent change of station. Everyone moves around, so there's some gaps at the base. So I like to go at those times and then uh, carry the on-call phone. So if something happens, I respond and I go to the urgent care. So, yeah, I enjoy that time and uh, yeah, get my skills up on the Air Force side too.
0: Yes, yeah, sounds really fun, and and I'm really happy for you know the background that you really provide because sometimes we think about things in a kind of one-dimensional way we don't see that it's really a team as you have just outlined you know different persons pitching in but we tend to focus just on what we consider to be quote-unquote the action you know (laughs) action center which everyone is really performing a unique action talking a, a bit not maybe the most pleasant aspect of life but in life we tend to have you know struggles and hurdles to overcome and earlier you did mention if we would want to categorize that as a as a hurdle that you know having your family um, growing up in the state you realize that their English ability was you know going up while their Japanese ability was maybe stagnating not making progress and so you decide that you know it's best to relocate so Aside from that, or if you want to continue from there, what would have been maybe one or a few of the greatest hurdles you had to overcome? And then in the same breath, what would have been your strategy for overcoming those
1: hurdles? Sure, sure. Um, I would say that the toughest time in my life um, might have been... uh, either the first year of going into medical school or the year before going into medical school, like uh, studying for what we call the MCAT. It's the uh, exam for the medical pre-medical students to take, and depending on your score, the medical school looks at those scores and then decides if you are in or not. Um, so it's very important to do well in on that MCAT. And a lot of the medical pre-medical students the pre-meds we study the summer that summer like for three months we really study for that test and then try to do our best Um, and then the next year we get if we get accepted into the medical school and we can start the medical school so that was a very stressful time um, because you pretty much have to do all the science and then once going into the medical school, again, it was very tough. Um, yes, uh, I, I think we hear a lot of that terms. It's, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant. This medical information is just thrown at you at such a pace that it's like, how am I even supposed to take in any of this kind of? So it was really overwhelming. There are a few students who are very g- smart, and, and they're a genius, and they really don't need to put too much effort into studying. I definitely realized that I wasn't part of that gang, and I had to really study hard, and uh, even that, I was forgetting at the same speed new information was coming in, and I was really struggling. I think that was the time fair the Sabbath really came into play, um, really being able to dedicate that Sabbath, uh, the Friday night Vespers, which usually was held at the pastor's house. Um, I was attending the Lomal and the Japanese uh, church. So the pastors usually had Vespers on Friday nights and we were able to go there. And then uh, we were joking about uh, going to the potluck on Sabbath and then uh, getting the nutrition for our our week. yeah. So loading up on all the good food. And then having some fun on Sabbath afternoon, going on hikes, playing some sports together, and having a great time. And then going back and studying on Saturday night. So the Sabbath really helped me to kind of realize that okay, I do have a life. Yeah.
0: Yes. Um oh day of rest and gladness, or oh day of joy <laughs> and light. Yeah. You know, as as you mentioned the Sabbath, you know, I I want to give you a few minutes just to address, you know, some Seventh-day Adventists. So we'll sometimes see the Sabbath as, you know, a burden. <laughs> not really seeing it for the delight it truly is. If you could just take a few minutes, you know, just to, I would say, preach to them. I <laughs> know you're not sure. preacher, But, you know, the, the true value, you know, and yeah. also the true meaning of the Sabbath for their own growth, their own rejuvenation their own strengthening and reconditioning.
1: Now, at least as for a medical student, Sabbath was really important to understand that God is in charge and I can't do everything on my own. So it's like a humbling experience that during the six days, I'm really struggling to learn the information I need to learn and Sure, would that seventh day help my grades? Um, Maybe I might have extra time to study. However, could I keep doing that for a very long time? Could I do that for one year, two years, three years, four years? I don't think so. And that's the time fair. It was really important to just say that, you know, I need to give this into God's hands. And I can't really do it on my own. And it's also in a good way, I think I was able to kind of give the responsibility to God saying, you know God, I'm not going to study this day. If you fail me, uh, you might be responsible too, I don't want to threaten God, but in a way it kind of gave me some relief that you know God should uh, take care of me even though I take a day off and I should be okay. And uh yeah, it was really good to realize that you know I don't have to do this on my own, but hey, God is going to be on my side.
0: Yes, <laughs> the good Lord really blesses and it's important that we we really learn to trust him more and more, not with some areas of our lives, but you know with all aspects of our lives because there is nothing better <laughs> to do. In a conversation with someone who has never heard and I'm sure you'd have had experiences like this, never heard about God or they have very limited, Knowledge and experience with God. You know, what would you say to him or her about God from your own experience?
1: Okay. Um,
0: Simple yeah. put, you know, who is God for Koji?
1: God for me is in a way uh, a parent. Also, I would say, like, as a teacher, yeah, who teaches me what I should do. And I definitely quote the Bible a lot. And even when I'm talking to my patients, I do use a lot of analogies from the Bible. And I even sometimes say it, you know, this is from the Bible, but have you heard about this story in the Bible? And the lesson was this. And I do uh, use it almost as a textbook. And it's it's a very good book, Bible, um, to guide me how I should make my decisions, what I should decide, yeah, and my morals, Um That becomes very important in the medical field. What do we decide in tough situations when um, it could go either way? Um, And then going back and then the, the famous term, what would Jesus do? Well, to know what would Jesus do, you need to read the Bible to know what he did. Yeah, And then really understand, okay, in this situation, Jesus did this. So I should do that. So God is my, I guess, mentor, teacher, leader. Yeah.
0: Yes, that that's quite an interesting way. You know, God is like my parent. I mean, he does say it, you know, I'm the father, <laughs> but we don't yeah. often hear people, you know, saying that, <laughs> especially more mature persons, you know, we tend to say, you know, he's my big brother and so on. So it's really an interesting way to really look at it. Back to something I was alluding to at the start of the interview, balancing. In life, you would have had challenges, you'd have had difficulties, you'd have had time constraints, you know, currently you have your family and work, so many things. So how do you strike that balance? This question is twofold. So how do you balance in terms of when you have challenges, you have disappointments, how do you balance to remain focused, you know, knowing that God is still there? And the second part, how do you really balance your time to ensure that you have time for yourself, for your family, you know, for friends, associates, work?
1: Yes, yes. So balancing for me. Um, luckily, I think I kind of mentioned I'm not that smart from academic standpoint, but I do feel like that I'm talented with uh balancing or um, taking in a lot of work quickly finishing it and then moving on so um, I've been enjoying doing a lot of stuff and um, that was kind of a blessing uh, getting out of the air force as an active duty because now I have a lot more free time on myself and I could manage my schedule that's where I'm doing four or five different jobs on the side I like to do pathfinders I like to be involved in the church I like to sing so we have a church quartet all sorts of stuff so for balancing I think it's important to know when to say no when you are too overwhelmed but at the same time at least for church work I have said no very few times when someone asked me to do it and my reasoning is If someone feels like I could do it and that someone, I think God is part of it, um, I think I could do it. Yeah. And let me go ahead and do it. And if I can't do it, okay, I would tell God saying, you know, I tried it and it's not working out. So I don't think I've said a single no when it came to church work. Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? So I think that's my strategy is if someone's asking me if if I could do it, I'm just going to go ahead and try it out and do it. At the same time, um, if it's not church stuff, I do say no. It's no if I just can't physically do it. Mentally too, if I just have too much on it, I have to just say no. Um, Also, I do like to not load myself a lot with work. So, Most of my evenings, I like to have it open just because I could be busy with stuff that I want to do. And that could be just playing soccer with my kids. Yeah, something like that. We're taking my kids to the pool and swimming together. And I think those times where we have time to exercise, it really clears our brain. So we might feel like we don't have time for exercise. But when we are running, swimming, walking, um, we get to take a break and then think through what our plan is going to be um, so we can get to the solution quicker and not making detours and keep making the same mistakes. So I really value the time that I'm not working and I'm doing other stuff, but the work might still be in my head and I'm kind of coming up with better plans. Uh, It's better if I'm having a higher heart rate at that time because um, I get to pump my blood and then I get to think clear. So I do like running uh, with my dog and uh, do like 15-20 minute jogs. I sometimes force my kids to go with me. <laughs> Once a week, my wife agreed to go with me. So yeah, Sabbath morning, that's the time fair she agrees to go with me on a walk. So we get to go on a walk and then we get to talk about some interesting stuff and you might come up with great ideas and i really value that time where i'm not working but we get to talk about stuff while we're exercising yeah so yeah we're doing three stuff all at once
0: awesome and i hope that the listeners especially the parents are already <laughs> taking not one but a few pages from your book because as you mentioned you are doing exercise it's family bonding Everything is just working to ensure, you know, your balance. And I love what you said, where for certain things you will say no, but if it relates to church and service, you know, then you are willing. And that is where I I find many people grow by serving God while some stagnate because they refuse to do anything (laughs) that (laughs) is of service to God. I want you to talk a bit about um pathfinding. It it is something I love. I, I didn't invest as much time in Pathfindering when I joined the church because not too long after I, you know, transition into say let's say adulthood. <laughs> but yeah. you know, what what is that like, especially here in Japan? I know it's not something that is as popular, maybe as in say North America. Correct or in the Caribbean, where I'm originally from. So what is that like? And then, you know, maybe what more do you think you as an individual or maybe the Japanese Union Conference could do to strengthen the movement here in Japan?
1: Sure. So Pathfinder in Japan is in a very sad situation, um, maybe for the last five years-ish. It was quite strong about 20, 30 years ago. Um, and then since then, it's been shrinking uh, quite fast. And right now, I would say there might be less than 100 uh, active Pathfinder members in the entire Japan. That's my guess. Um, and like we went to Korea, we were pl- initially planning 50 members go, but because of the typhoon, we cannot not go. Um, among those 50, though, about one-third, about one-third, is um, adults, um, so the counselors. So kids itself, we had maybe like 20 or so kids go to Korea. Um, same with the last international campery we had in Oshkosh. Um, we had the less than 20 kids from Japan attending. Um, in the Japanese campery, we have about a little less than 200 attending. But half of those are not part of Pathfinders. Um, they just uh, were invited to go, so they went. So it's, it's, uh, Pathfinders are really not doing well. I think one of the reasons is the COVID, and the COVID really hit, and a lot of the Pathfinders club could not uh, have any meetings, and then the counselors uh, were retiring and we didn't have any young generations, and I consider myself to be in the young generations. Uh, so it's been really hard in Japan. And to be honest, I kind of felt like Pathfinders were kind of outdated. That was my thought until, thoughts until I went to the last international campery in Oshkosh in 2017. Until then, yes, when I was raised in the church school, I was going to a soccer club on Sunday and not the Pathfinder club. Yeah, I was not part of the Pathfinder club until I went to Georgia. And then my kids were in the adventure club. And then I really saw the potential going to the international campery, being part of 50,000 people. And I really felt like, wow, this is amazing. And since then, moving to Japan, I've been really trying to push the pathfinders, push the church leaders to uh, make the pathfinders more of a the church's priority. Um, so we uh, last summer, we climbed Mount Fuji. I took 30 of us, uh, and we went to Mount Fuji. And uh, this year, Korea, next year, we are planning to take another group from Japan um, to on uh, the Gillette and uh, Wyoming. So we're planning on that. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to light up that fire again uh, for the Pathfinders. So yeah, whoever is willing to open a new program, I'm willing to go any place in Japan and try to see what could be done to start that Pathfinder club.
0: Someone's pretty pretty exciting that as you said yes despite the numbers <laughs>
1: the, <Yes>. the flame
0: <laughs> has been reignited and that is pretty also cool it's not a word i use regularly but it's pretty cool because sometimes we take what we have for granted thinking you know it's not relevant but as you say just attending i can't even say it properly hashkosh yes yes Ashkosh, right. So just attending, then you realize really pathfinding is something that is really important. The final question I want to toss at you, it's kind of a follow-up to what you just said, you know, what do you get a sense that God is inviting you to do at this particular moment? So let us say you could start a new ministry, you know, what would it be and who would it serve?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, my current focus is on the young adults. I really feel like, at least at church in Japan, we have very little programs for the young adults. So the Pathfinders definitely has a big priority. I'm also trying to not limit it to the the Christian kids, but this area itself around our local church here, um, they are building a lot more new houses. So I'm hoping to try to reach out to the local community and invite the local kids to attend Pathfinders so they could be part of that. Um, So that's uh, a big part of what I'm trying to do. Um, It's also the reason I'm accepting the school counselor job is I'm really focusing on the younger adults. So they actually enjoy church and then they enjoy the Christian fellowship so as they grow up, they could benefit from what I benefited from is any place I go, you could find a church, you could go and then find people who share the same uh, gospel, and you won't feel alone any place you go in the world, because pretty much any place you go, there is going to be an Adventist church. It might be small, but there is one. And yeah, so that's that's my focus is to have the kids in Japan really know God, and then know the Adventist. In Japan, it's very small. But if you step back and look at the entire world, you could go any place and meet an Adventist. And if they can realize that, they could be more proud of the church, um, not be embarrassed, but be proud about the church, and yeah, really be able to explore the world.
0: Yes, if you step back and look, you can see the larger picture. Yeah, there's a song. It might also be the American anthem. I'm not sure, but I know there's a line that says, "I'm proud to be an American." That's the anthem, right?
1: It's not the national anthem, but it's a it's a famous yes song. Right. So there,
0: there's this group. I think it's Home Free. Yeah, that that's that's a group. And they did a version that I really enjoyed. You know, I'm proud to be an American. So we should really be proud to be a Christian and proud to be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. So I really will pray and hope that that mission, that goal that you have will be an overwhelming success. So for my listeners, we have been speaking and listening to Dr. Koji Izuka he is a psychiatrist, he works as a school counselor, he also spearheads, you know, I would say Pathfinder ministry in J- Japan unofficially, but he's about serving God and serving others. But just before we go, as is customary on this show, Dr. Izuka, do you have any parting words to share with our listeners?
1: Yes, I, I love talking to people around the world, so yeah, I've moving around with my job so i go to hawaii guam okinawa and sometimes even korea so yeah if you hear my name I'm more than happy to say hi and then uh yeah share share some words and uh yeah would be love to hear from anyone yeah around the world and uh, say hi so thanks very much for inviting me to this program
0: You've been in tuned to Upward Way. Do join us again next week when we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. Of course, you can subscribe to our weekly episodes on the Apple, AWR, Loud Voice, Spotify, Stitcher, or Podcast Guru apps. You're also welcome to visit Upward Way Facebook page. You can click like and leave a comment. And if you feel impressed to contribute to the ministry, then feel free to donate. But until then, I'm Marlon Walter saying goodbye. May God Bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way Podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want
1: encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.